you're listening to the Wise Wife Podcast. So you want a better marriage? Well then buckle up, buttercup. You're in the right place. I am so excited to get into this today because this one word in the Bible comes up so often and I believe that it has hung up women in knowing their true calling as a wife. You know the word, it's helpmeet. What does it mean? Let's unpack it. Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. The problem here is that we try to understand what God is saying in this scripture with our English translations, which is kind of like playing a game of telephone. Like the Hebrew term that was used gets sort of diluted into English. And then from English, it goes into, you know, 10 different translations that have 10 different meanings. So we can go our whole lives believing that this word means one thing. We can even hear it from the pulpit as being taught as this one thing. And in actuality, it's something completely different. And when I heard the Hebrew definition of that word helpmeet, which is in Hebrew ezer kenegdo, when I heard what those words really mean, I felt a little bit ripped off, actually. <laughs> I felt like, hold up, are you telling me that I've grown up my entire life living under this expectation that my value as a wife was just to be a suitable helper? That's complimentary. That's not even close to the power that God gave us as wives in these words, Ezer, Konegdo. And I'm going to break it down. The reality is those words mean so much more than just a woman who is suitable to him. I mean, you can go online and it actually gets me a bit fired up to read all of these articles and blog posts about how this means that, you know, you're just a compliment to your husband, that everything he's not you are. That is just one facet of what we really are, because it's true. We are a compliment to them, but that is not even scratching the surface of what we really are. In fact, that is actually a total disgrace to women and what God has intended for us to be as wives. And so let's unpack that. First thing is help is ezer. Meet is konegdo. We're going to break down both these words. The Hebrew word ezer is used 21 times in the Old Testament. And in each occurrence, they are translated the same to the same English word, help. But 16 of those 21 times in the Old Testament, ezer refers to God as the help, typically like rescuing Israel or helping Israel. Eight of them refer to the meaning of savior. And you can look up Exodus 18.4, Deuteronomy 33.7, just a few examples. But in all of these cases, God is using a word that has been reserved for him to explain the critical role and value that women bring to men. So the word ezra is a combination of two roots, one meaning to rescue, to save, and the other meaning to be strong. Okay, so when you think helpmeet, do you think someone who rescues, who is strong, who saves. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what environment you grew up in or what you are currently in, 
But my church experience did not teach me that as a wife, I was a rescuer and I could be even a savior. Hold up. Don't burn me at the stake here. Okay, we're going to get into that. And it certainly didn't mean that I was strong. It felt like a help me is like, okay, make sure there's dinner on the table and the house is tidy and that's great. All those things are good, but that's not that's not the strength that is what God is calling us to as an ezer, as a helper, ezer. So the word meet in help meet, connecto, which means reflection of or opposite, like a mirrored counterpart, is only used once in the entire Bible. That is its only occurrence. So here we have one part of this word, which means to rescue, to save, to be strong. And this other one means sort of like a mirrored reflection of. That's where we get the word counterpart in most of our translations, but it really is more like opposite. But here's the thing. If we don't understand that we are being called to be a rescuer to our husbands, we're missing out on a big part of what God expects from us as wives. So before we get into what does that really mean? Like, how do we be an Ezra Konegdo, a helpmeet that rescues, that saves, that is strong, and who perfectly complements our husband? Before we get into some real practical ways that I see that happening, I'm going to go one more step into some Hebrew, and it's going to be a little mind-blowing, so stick with me on this. Because it's related to this idea of being opposite, right, of being Konegdo, being a reflection of We all know the scripture in Genesis where God takes a rib from Adam and builds Eve. The word rib used there in Genesis is tsela, T-S-E-L-A. And this word is used 41 times in the Old Testament. And every single other time that it is used, it is translated as side, side chamber. It will be talking about the entire side of a temple, like one half. Only in this one place in Genesis where male and female, he created them. And then he takes a rib from Adam. I mean, why do we translate it as rib when it is a word that means side? Don't you think it would be more likely that he created one being and he split them in two? Because that to me, to Sela, that's what that word to me means. Is It's a full side. Listen, I am not a feminist. And anyone who knows me knows I am the literal anti-poster child for feminism. But isn't it interesting that we as women have grown up in the church reading these English translations and believing that we are just a rib? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, again, this is really fine line between rah, rah, future is female, you know, shove that. I think that is literally from the pit of hell. But isn't it interesting that we have this subtle message of you're, you're not the full thing, you're just a rib and know your place. Okay, the reality of the Hebrew word is that it's more likely we were an entire side taken from the original being of Adam and that God made two where there once was one. And doesn't that explain 
sex to you? Like, doesn't that explain so much more the act of intimacy where two become one? That this is a reflection, like when we have sexual intimacy, it's a reflection of the original Eden. It's the closest we get to being in that original state. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, which we will get to, I'm sure, about intimacy and why it is absolutely critical to your marriage and that if you're not having sexual intimacy with your husband, you're doomed. Like, I won't sugarcoat that. You're doomed. And I know that I write about that in my book. There are women who are struggling with men who are not interested in being sexually intimate with them. That's obviously a small percentage, but it's very real. But for the rest of you who are actually holding out and depriving your husband of sexual intimacy, I want you to understand that you're depriving him and yourself of the intimacy that was once felt in Eden and the connection, the spiritual connection and protection that happens in the spirit realm when we honor that original design. Okay, so I had to sidetrack on that, but just to understand the bigger picture of what is really at stake here. What what were we first designed as and how do we get back to that on this side of heaven? Because there are ways for us to do that. That is why marriage is such a beautiful picture of God's original design and why it is completely under attack and why the enemy hates your marriage. He hates your marriage and he hates your children. And we need to understand that he is the true enemy. Your husband is not. Okay, so we're going into now understanding that Ezra Konegdo help meet means something different than maybe what we've grown up with, maybe what we've even read in our current English translations. Let's unpack what that actually could look like in real life. What does it look like to be a powerful helpmeet? I'm going to go through some basic ones that you probably already know and shouldn't be too much of a shocker to you. I hope, I hope, I mean, I hope, I, I, I probably shouldn't say that actually, because if I was listening to myself, if this was me listening, you know, 15, 17 years ago, I probably would have scoffed at every single one of these points I'm about to make. <laughs> I would have said, well, maybe I'll be like that when he is X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. I felt completely entitled to my stubborn heart that defied God's commands because I believed the lie that if my husband wasn't acting out the way he was called to be as a husband, if he was not living up to his biblical role, then I... I didn't have to either. Do you hear how stupid that sounds? Do you do you hear how ridiculous that is? Because I hope your spiritual ears are listening and are open right now to seeing how easy we can justify our sin because of our husband's sin. And those two things are separate. His sin is his sin and it does affect you. But it does not give you license to then sin yourself. And when we do that, because I did that, we end up in a crazy cycle of both of us sinning and both of us partnering with the enemy to see the destruction of our legacy, the destruction of our children and future children. So 
I know that some of you may be where I was and you are going to scoff at some of these. At the end of the day, all of these things are about making your life better. Just want to preface with that. I'm going to say some things that will seem very like unfair, I think, in some ways. Like it's easy in our in our fleshly understanding to look at some of these things and go, well, that's not fair. What's he doing for me? Okay, that comment will never stand on the word of God. So you can literally rebuke that anytime you hear it in your mind. Be gone from me. That is literally from the destroyer of my soul and my legacy and my marriage. So let's really open our hearts to what I'm about to say without thinking about our husband's worth, okay? Without thinking about his value, how much he deserves. Ladies, I am absolutely ashamed and embarrassed to even think back to the way that I I believed my husband had to earn my obedience to Christ. It is shameful to think back to those moments. And it was part of my repentance story and the restoration story that I talk about in Wise Wife Blueprint was coming to that realization that I had been so deceived. But once I let go of my expectations of him and I just sat with the Lord and me, like, God, what do you want me to be? Let me stop thinking about him for one minute, please. Let me stop focusing on all the things he needs to do and all the ways he needs to be better and all the way he's hurt me and that he doesn't deserve it. Like stop thinking about him and just let's think about what has God called you to be regardless of who he is right now and whether or not your husband deserves it. Let's just look at what you need to be so that when it is all said and done, you are standing tall and you are a good and faithful servant to the Lord. So ways to be a powerful help me. Okay. So I did ask my husband to give me his thoughts on this. And he actually came up with some a few that I didn't even think of, which is really great. I, I actually encourage you to ask your husband, like, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. It's really crazy. It's challenging me to think differently about my role as a wife. What could I do to better serve you? Double dog, triple dog, dare you to ask that question. Okay, so for this series, I am breaking it into two parts. And the first part of what we're about to enter into is the pretty basic stuff, although it is still going to be pretty challenging for some of you, probably most of you. I know some of it's challenging still for me. I need to preface the whole thing by saying that I am not condemning you for not being perfect. And I myself am not perfect at all of these things I'm about to list. I know there's areas that I still need to improve in. And it's okay. It's okay to not be perfect and to not have it all figured out. But what you need to make sure you're not doing is sticking your head in the sand and being defiant and rebellious. That is what I don't have patience for. So understand that, okay, I'm not really doing the things that she's listed. Oh my goodness, I'm a terrible wife. I'm a crappy person. Or, you know, screw her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Those are your options typically when someone calls you out on something that you know you're not good at. I just challenge you to have grace for yourself, but also be honest with yourself. Could there be a better way? Could there be a different way? Could I do things a little differently? 
And would I be willing to give it a shot to see if this opinionated podcaster might be right? Let's talk about the practical things you can do to be a powerfully effective helpmeet. In the next part of this series, I'm going to talk about the warrior aspects of being a helpmeet and how you can take it to the next level. But right now we need to talk about the foundation. The first thing that we can do to be a powerful helpmeet is how we nurture, care for, and serve our husband and children. These are the practical ways, right? This is about creating your Eden, a home that he can feel calm in, that he can feel peaceful in, There are so many layers to this and we're going to unpack them, but ultimately all of the sub points I'm about to list out in this idea of nurturing, caring for, and serving in practical ways, all of them come back to this idea of creating your Eden. Your home should be an Eden. There are many parts of it. It's a multifaceted thing. So I'm going to just quickly go through them, but understanding that each one of these is a podcast unto itself. So some of them you might be like, yeah, I do that. And others you might be like, oof, yeah, uh, that one stings. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't do all these perfectly at all. I don't. But I have a heart that is postured in a way that desires these things. And some of you have a heart posture that defies these things. Number one, having right order of family dynamic putting your children in their proper place, making sure that you do not serve your children more than you serve your husband, making sure that you understand that your husband is your top priority and then your children come come next. Of course, obviously, you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're feeding an infant. Like, There's practical things that we just have to do when we have children. I'm not saying don't do those things. But in your heart, some of you, and I've talked to you, some of you truly dishonor of your husband using the children as justification. And that I'll leave with you to sit on because some of you know you do it and some of you don't want to admit that you do it. But if your husband feels like he is second fiddle to the kids and that you would choose them over him day in and day out, you've got a problem. So making sure you have the right order of the family dynamic. So when your husband comes home, you're not using the kids and all the stress of the kids and everything they need. And well, I can't let them down to justify you letting him down. So that steps into another point of having an Eden at home, which is obedient children. Are you the disciplinarian or are you leaving it to him to discipline? Are you waiting till dad gets home? Again, this is a traditional like wife is at home raising their kids and dad's out working. And I believe that is a natural, healthy order for a family And I have done both. I've done both for many years. And I can tell you from my personal experience, there is no human way to juggle a full-time job, a full-time family, and a full-time husband and have things in the right order. You will sacrifice. You will sacrifice. And it will not be your job that you sacrifice if you're choosing to work full-time. You will not sacrifice your job. You will sacrifice your children and your husband. Those are the first to go. Your home will be sacrificed and your Eden will be sacrificed. 
I've done it. I'm not throwing stones here. I've done it. I've done it. There was times where we did it for a season because it was what we felt God was calling us to. There were times where I did it out of defiance. That was what led up to my separation and our breakdown was me choosing to defy my family duties and go to work instead because it was easier and I liked it more because I hated failing at home. So why not go do something I can do really well? I paid the price for that. Then there's been other times where we've chosen for me to go work outside the home and it was for a season and it was for an intentional purpose. And we agreed as a couple and as a family that it was the right thing. We still paid for that, right? Even if it wasn't defiance, even if I wasn't being disobedient, it wasn't like I had consequences that were self-inflicted. It was just the reality of the situation was that some things had to be sacrificed and it sucked, Because at the end of the day, I was defying the role that God really has called me to as the helpmeet. So that is a very complex issue that that could be broken down in another book, in my second book. But for right now, for the case of this, I'm talking to the wives who are at home. And if you are not at home full-time and you are working either part-time or full-time, just understand that some of these things are going to have to drop. You're not going to be able to do them all. You're just not. And so you just need to understand that there is going to be a cost, a sacrifice that you have to give in order to be working outside the home, away from your children, away from your family, and away from your Eden. You just have to pick what you feel is most important to you and and understand that you're not going to be able to do it all. Okay, so I just I wanted to cover that as we go through the rest of this list. So in creating your Eden, a home that is calm and peaceful, where your husband feels welcomed, it's simple things like clean and clutter-free home. It's, this is not rocket science, guys. If your house is a disaster and dirty, you are dishonoring your husband. It means that you're choosing things in your life, priorities, as more important than creating an Eden for your family. So I'm also talking about vehicles here. Like how many of you, your vehicles are so disgusting that when your husband gets in, he like has a visceral response and you say, oh, but I have the toddlers and oh, but I, no, you choose to keep your vehicle dirty. Stop with the excuses. I get it. It's hard, but it's not that hard. It's about being faithful with the little so that you can be trusted with much, much more. So clean and clutter-free home and vehicles is an easy way to honor your husband. And some of you are so overwhelmed by dirty spaces that you think that that's like, you're laughing at me. You're like, that, that's not easy. I can't keep a house clean. Well, then learn a skill. Go research Fly Lady and all of her strategies. Instead of following all the Instagram influencers, follow some Instagram people that that are talking about tips and tricks on how to keep a house clean when you have little kids. You're a smart woman. You can figure this out or you can sit back and you can make excuses for why you have a dirty house. But I digress. Home-cooked meals and stocked groceries. Having home-cooked meals is a very simple way to bless our families. I'm not going to get into the health ramifications of eating to-go, fast food, processed food, preserved, frozen food, all the stuff that people can whip together in minutes. I'm not going to go there, although I could because I have a background in nutrition and I love to go down that path. I'm not going to because we all 
are smart enough to know that processed and packaged and preserved food is not good for our children or ourselves. So if you struggle with cooking, learn the skill. Go out there and practice and try. I mean, again, this is not about being perfection, guys. Like I'm saying, you have to choose which of these you know in your spirit is flagging you. Like, oh, I don't like it when she says that. And then you pick that one and you say, okay, Lord, help me. Let's do this. Teach me how to cook. Because I'm telling you, the women who use that as an excuse for why they don't feed their families properly, it's weak. Again, it's just another justification. No one taught me. I don't know how to cook. I burn everything. I can't even make eggs. Well, actually, eggs are really tricky. So give yourself some grace on that. But how about just start with a shepherd's pie? It's pretty elaborate in a way because it's multiple steps, but it's pretty basic too. Can you boil potatoes? Can you cook up ground beef with some onion? And on that note, I'm going to tell you one really great tip that my mom gave me when I was first married. And and this really does set the, the tone when your husband comes home. He's about 10 minutes away from home. He's like, text you. He's like, I'm on my way. And you're like, oh, shoot, I don't have any dinner made. Uh, I don't even know what I'm going to make. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, and like, you're trying to declutter the house and like make sure it's not a disaster zone when he walks in, which by the way, your children should be helping. Okay. Stop doing everything yourself. Even if you don't know what you're going to make, just put diced onion and butter on the stove. So when he walks in, it smells like you're cooking something amazing, but you have no idea what you're making. But butter and onions, I mean, that's the start of so many meals. I mean, you can make tacos, you can make a stew, you can make literally anything with any type of meat. You can even make lentil dal, you can make veggie meals, you can make stir fry. Anything and any cuisine starts with butter and onions. So that's a little freebie there. Do that. I swear. It just works so great. It's the best smell to come home to. So knowing your skill set and acknowledging that you don't just get to say, I don't have that skill. He better love me anyways. Well, of course he's supposed to love you anyways, but do you want to make it easier for him to love you or harder? Learning a skill is all that that is. If you don't have it, there's tons of resources out there for you. Stop spending time following Instagram accounts that don't serve you and go find the ones that do. Okay, an orderly, well-run home is another way that we can be a powerful helpmeet in creating our Eden. Like There were days where we didn't have laundry. I'm working and Tim's working and no one's doing laundry. And I remember the first time that I was ever a stay-at-home wife. <laughs> We didn't have kids yet. And I was very career driven, right? And so I had this moment where I was in between jobs. I had about two months off. It happened to be summer. And it was just, I know what God was doing in that. I can look back and I can see how God used that two month period to try and to warn me, to try and get my attention. Like, Tasha, do you feel how it feels to be this, this, this peaceful? Like I got to be for two months we had no kids and I just was a stay-at-home wife. And I just like, so all of a sudden we went from both of us working full-time at like sort of a breakneck pace to now he's working and I was home. So I did all the groceries. I cooked all the meals. I did all the laundry. I kept the house clean because I had the time 
And it wasn't what I thought my purpose was. I knew I was going to start a new job in two months. But at the end of that two months, I actually thought to myself, I'm so happy. And I was really shocked. I just remember thinking, I'm so happy. So I was about 24 at this point. At this point. So I was well into developing my career because I had started my professional career at 18. So after about five or six years of, of working, I had this experience and I, I was genuinely shocked that I enjoyed being a housewife. <laughs> and I kind of laughed at it, even though the Lord was trying to teach me a lesson to save me from my future demise, but I didn't heed that call. I just went on my way and continued down my path. But it was such a beautiful little gift that he gave me because I did enjoy it. I enjoyed that there was laundry always done, that no one was like running around frantically looking for a shirt or underwear or socks because we hadn't done laundry in a week. And that to you might seem really simple and beneath you. I have been a leader of a company. I have been a director of a major team. I have managed professionally most of my career. I get it. I'm capable too. I'm not saying you're not capable, but what are you exchanging for that ego stroke? What are you giving up? Because I had to sit back and realize that, you know what, if I can't do the laundry, if something as simple and beneath me, like laundry, is a bone of contention and causing stress in our family, something is wrong. My priorities are out of line. So I'm sorry to like spend so much time on something as stupid as laundry, but it is a great indicator of where your priorities lie. And it's another way that we create this peaceful Eden where, hey, you know your, your laundry's in there. Like every time my mom comes to visit, I always love that the laundry fairy returns and I'm like, oh, this is what it's like having a wife. <laughs> like all of a sudden my dirty laundry just disappears and my clean laundry is back in my drawer. And like I put a dish in the sink and it just disappears into the dishwasher and then back into the cupboard. And I just don't, I don't even know that how it happens. <laughs> I always just chuckle because that's when my mom comes to visit. I'm very blessed to have an amazing mom. And when she comes to visit, I feel like I have a wife and I suddenly start to understand how much we can bless our husbands with those simple little things. All right. So basically that little quick hit list of creating an Eden is essentially boils down to reducing the number of times your husband feels stress. And I want to point out one thing here. For some of you who are very orderly and very clean, you're listening to me and you're like, oh yeah, I got this. I, I do that all the time. In fact, my husband's the messy one. And you need to understand if you've read my book, you've read The Four Types of Men. And some of you need to hear this, that honoring your husband may not be having a cleaner house. It may be having a less orderly house. Because some of you are so fanatical about everything being in order that your husband, who's less so and doesn't mind having things be a little cluttered, that you're actually dishonoring him by putting your expectations on him 
and demanding that he be as fanatically clean as you. And that's, that's actually also wrong, right? So I know that I've been talking all about like making sure you have an orderly clean home for your husband, but there are some of you who you are so orderly and clean that your husband can't live in his own home. And that takes away from the place of Eden for him from feeling relaxed and peaceful in his own home. So as we wrap up here on this part one of this two part series on what it really means to be a helpmeet, I want you to understand that all of these things matter that I've talked about. They could be dismissed as simple, but what you need to understand is that they actually matter because what we are doing when we create this Eden for our husbands where they feel welcomed and peaceful in their own home is we're creating the fertile environment for them to grow as a man. This is what you want, right? You want a better marriage. You want your husband to be a better husband. A lot of that happens once these sort of simple things are taken care of. And they don't happen easily when these simple things are out of alignment. It's like asking a plant to grow when you don't water it. It's like asking a plant to grow with no sun. You know, these simple things are super effective in creating an environment of peace. And it's in that peace where growth happens, where change happens. So I challenge you this week to just try one of those things that I listed that you're not doing right now and just give it a shot. You may be surprised at how much peace it not only brings your home and your family, but peace in your own heart. Thanks for tuning in to the Wise Wife Podcast. Go to wisewifeblueprint.com and download your free battle strategy. These are the five things you must do if you want to see breakthrough in your marriage. And remember, it takes two to save a marriage. You and Jesus. Jesus.